Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And today we have Brian Kennedy with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is so much fun to interview people, to be able to share stories. I think stories are very powerful to hear other people, how they have walked through strife and, and uh, joy and, and uh, life in general and seeing this journey. Uh, and the journey of divorce can be very difficult. You've been in this journey for a while and uh, I just wanted to share a little bit more about you. You're a dedicated father of two young kids and is recently out of your marriage for almost 10 years and your journey through the divorce. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on today. And uh, as you refer to involved awakening to an unhealthy patterns in all of your relationships and doing a big life reset. I'd love to hear more about this reset or the, the awakening. I usually call it like a catalyst. For me, it was a huge catalyst where I started to see that I wasn't really myself in my relationship, in my life. I had a lot of masks up, pretending in some ways, trying to pretend I'm having a great relationship or a marriage where we actually didn't. And uh, living life, but not being myself. And uh, you're going to share a little bit about this awakening that we're going to talk about later on in the, the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the words that you use are the words that I would use to describe my experience as well. You know, going back, say, five years ago, while I was still happily married, you would have met uh, a fairly meek, shy, reserved uh, fly on the wall, you know, that did everyone else's bidding, especially my, my exes. And I didn't see anything wrong with that. I didn't recognize the sadness that was building in my heart and the the fact that I just really wasn't living my life, you know, and through this portal of this divorce, the catalyst, I feel like I've renewed myself. I've become more in touch with who I am and what I like. And I've learned how to take up space more and express myself. And this would have never happened if I hadn't been shaken awake by the, the trauma of going through such a difficult time. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in this podcast and also how to move through this period. I hear so many people getting stuck in divorce and a lot of times in a downward spiral and uh, how to break out of that downward spiral. It's crucial to get help, to get people around you to support you through this process. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about personality disorders. We're going to talk about how you go through divorce in a good way and uh, also this catalyst, how this can actually be the best thing that's ever happened. I'm not for a divorce. I did not want divorce, but it can actually be the best thing for you to be this catalyst for having an amazing life, like a wake-up call. I'd love to hear a little bit more about initially in the divorce, how did you react? Did you have any things that you reacted to that kind of like wasn't helpful initially in the divorce? And and uh, hear a little bit more background from the divorce for somebody that's maybe in the middle of divorce that would be helpful to hear. Yeah, I mean, this is still a really painful thing for me to discuss because that was a really painful time. You know, going back, I'm kind of losing track of the timeline exactly, but I'd say maybe three and a half years ago, I got this really strong suspicion that my ex was having an affair. 
And it was so incredibly painful. And you asked, you know, was there something that you focused on that kind of led you off track? And, and I feel like that actually, while that was the thing that woke me up, that was the pain that I was able to focus on, it didn't end up being the reason why our marriage collapsed. It was the start of the end. And I, I think I focused on it far too long. In the end, it was just a symptom of a larger disease. And it, it started me to wake me up to a dynamic that wasn't working for me and that wasn't, wasn't allowing me to be me. It wasn't allowing me to take up space and um, like I wanted to. And so I, going back, I kind of wish that I hadn't been so traumatized by it. I don't know if you can even not be traumatized by such a situation, but I wish I would have focused more on her responses to my, my fears and my concerns rather than on the actual fears and concerns and trying to prove them right or wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, to go through divorce, I went through a lot of shame, a lot of fear, a lot of different emotions. And I think a lot of guys have a hard time expressing emotions to be an emotional person. We are all human beings, we are emotional beings. But uh, a lot of guys are growing up in a society where you're not supposed to express emotions, you're not supposed to express sadness, etc. And going through shame, I had so much shame going through divorce because, first of all, my parents stayed married throughout their lives. They had a, a fairly good marriage. They had their struggles, but uh, and uh, until my dad passed away. And then also in church, a lot of times they speak so highly about staying married it wasn't that they, they put down a divorce, but they didn't talk a lot about divorce. I automatically felt like I was a failure. Uh, did you have to deal with any shame yourself going through a divorce? So much, yeah. I mean, I, I came from a divorced family. My, my parents um, divorced when I was about, um, I think I was about 16, if I remember correctly. And there was a lot of shame around that, actually. I, you know, was the only one that I knew of my friends that had parents that got divorced. And then, you know, I thought, well, I can avoid this, you know, like I'm going to do this better. I'm going to pick a better partner. Right. And uh, I'm not going to fall into that trap who gets divorced. And then here I am faced with this idea that I may need to get divorced. And that shame had me stay in this extremely painful time. Uh, with my ex for far too long. And I, frankly, I wish that we would have made the decision sooner to separate yeah. because that process of unwinding was really painful. And we're still experiencing the effects of it today. It's really hard to communicate. There's still a lot of pain on both sides. And, um, you know, we're doing the best we can to co-parent. But I think that that period of time, I just would have liked it to be more acceptable to explore the possibility of separation and divorce and not feel so shameful about it. Because in reality, sometimes it's the best answer for everyone. And in our case, it absolutely was. I dealt with the shame. I didn't really realize I had so much shame, but I didn't want to talk to especially close up people like uh, close friends and, uh, and uh, family and, and I stopped going to church for a while too, uh, just because of this shame. It was actually when I started talking about the shame, about the divorce with other people, that this shame dissipated. Whenever you bring shame into light, it dissipates. And then it's just dissipated over a few months' time when I started talking about it. That goes for a lot of emotions, too. That's been my experience through all of this. I mean, before 
my marriage collapsed, I probably cried maybe twice in my entire life. And I didn't see that as a problem. You know, my father was the same way. I've never seen him cry ever, you know, just thought that was the way to be, but we're human. We're meant to experience the range of emotions. And if we don't experience them, they get trapped in our body, you know, and then they become disease and illness and trauma and they affect the, the course of our life. And through this unwinding, I've cried so much. I still cry on the regular and it doesn't necessarily even need to make sense. There's just stuff in me from the years of holding it all in that needs to be released. And every time I experience this, I experience expansion later. There's just this increased awareness or increased capability of expression. Um, So there's so many benefits to doing that trauma work. And again, I don't think it would have been possible for me to explore this had I not been faced with such a traumatic experience. And some people experience the loss of a child. Some people experience divorce. There are lots of things that can occur to us that are come across our path that can cause us to question our lives and to go deep. And for me, that's what divorce was, was that opportunity. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw my dad cry. My dad never wanted to talk about emotional things. And I can see that came from his dad as well, or his family background. My, my grandpa was a logger. He was out in the forest. And uh, that goes from generation to generation. I, thought, I think it's very important to teach your children, too, to be able to allow people to cry, and especially men. Uh, it's okay for men to express emotions and express sorrow and, and being a, a human being. When I went through divorce, one of my biggest learnings was able to be open and be real, not to be this fake persona, but instead to be able to express who I am. Because I was very worried about what other people was thinking about me. And then instead of just uh, being me, I would just try to fit in. And uh, I think it, it's very attractive too when a person can be authentic and pe- can be real. And uh, probably one of the biggest learnings going through divorce was to be able to start being me and being authentic and being who I really am in the core. Is that something that uh, you had to go through or? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's been my experience for sure, is that looking back, I wasn't authentic in my relationships and I didn't even know it. (laughs) You know, I just was going about my life. And I was living out my traumas and my fears. And as I've been doing this work on myself, I've been showing up more authentically with my friends and my family. I've been setting boundaries for the first time. I mean, I didn't even know what boundaries were, you know? (laughs) And as I've been doing this, I've been finding my relationship with my kids has improved. Like it was always good, but it just keeps on getting better. Like there's just so much free-flowing love that comes from me now that isn't blocked by the inhibitions that I had before. So it's not just sadness that gets expressed. You know, as you unblock some of these emotional blockages, everything just starts pouring out in in a much easier fashion, joy, love. It just, there are so many benefits. Yeah. Boundaries is something I learned about probably a couple of years before the divorce. I've never heard the word boundaries. We had a marriage counselor that started to talk about boundaries. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems for me was I, I started learning about boundaries and going into that a little bit too fast. When somebody is not used to having boundaries, it takes some time to getting used to having boundaries. But I think it's to have an awesome relationship. I think boundaries is one of the most 
important things in a relationship, it creates this uh, respect for each other when you don't cross each other's boundaries. For example, you maybe just for listeners to understand what the boundary is, uh, I usually say that if somebody calls you something that hurts you and, you, and then you say, okay, please don't ever call me this again. And then you set a boundary by saying, you know, if you do that again, then I can't be the, the close friend that we, friendship that we have. And then if they overstep that boundary again, you're gonna, that becomes a result that you're going to not have that type of relationship again. But most likely that person is going to say, oh, I'm so sorry that I overstepped your boundary or I, I called you this name. This is never going to happen again. And that brings that closeness and, and respect for that other person. How, how has boundaries, and can you explain more about boundaries? I'd love to hear more about boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah, this is something uh, that I post on, on TikTok because it was a really big awakening for me. I didn't grow up, if I recall, witnessing boundaries uh, between my parents. I didn't really know what they were. I remember the first time that I was talking with my therapist, I was also new to therapy and all of this. You know, my marriage is basically unwinding before my eyes and I seek out therapy to try to understand what's going on. I was retelling something that happened between my ex and I, and my therapist said, well, you know, you can set a boundary around that. I'm like, what's a boundary? Yeah. <laughs> what, what is this magical thing? And she told me, you can just say, don't do that to me because it doesn't feel good. And she has the opportunity to respect that boundary. And then I'm like, well, what happens if she doesn't, you know? And then she says, well, you know, you need to, Tell her what are the repercussions for that? What are you willing to do? Because you need to enforce the boundary. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest tricks for me in the beginning was like, how do you even enforce a boundary when you don't love yourself? I discovered over time that my self-love tank was completely empty. Yeah. I didn't even realize it, but like, I felt like I needed the people in my life. You know, everyone around me I was attached to because I felt like I needed them to almost survive, you know? And as I've learned how to love myself to become more independent and develop that authentic connection with who I am and what I deserve, that's when I've been able to really enforce those boundaries. In the beginning, when I was setting boundaries with my ex, she's a boundary pusher, you know, because I don't think she uh, grew yeah. up with boundaries, right? And so it's like, what are these boundaries? You're not setting the right boundaries. You're not saying the right way. It was like all of, you know, nitpicking how I was setting them. Like, and I didn't feel like I, if they were broken, like I could do anything. I didn't really know how to say, hey, it's okay that I'm setting boundaries, you know? And I didn't know how to say, if you don't respect me, then I'm willing to step away. Or I'm willing to leave or I'm willing to, to back it up. And, yeah. and that's been, that was a long time that it's taken me to, be able to do that even well into our separation, being able to set boundaries and stick to them and know that even when she's saying I'm bad for setting the boundary, no, I'm doing the thing you're supposed to do in relationships for a healthy relationship. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being that guy that's setting a boundary because it's important to him and sticking to it. Yeah, I went through that uh, initially, even before the marriage uh, ended, probably a year or two before. And I think my ex felt very controlled by me starting setting boundaries. And uh, it had to do with finances. It had to do with many things. I think you have to maybe slowing down the how to start setting boundaries to phase it in in, in a way. 
when you say self-love tank was empty, I myself went through a lot of loneliness. I was very lonely initially in the divorce, probably for the first year. I started dating right after the divorce for the first year, purely out of loneliness. And uh, I did not, I think, love myself in the way I took two-year break after dating for a year because I realized I was dating out of the wrong reason. After about two years, so one year after not dating, I started feeling, okay, I'm actually okay to be alone. And I came to that point there where I actually feel totally okay to be by, by myself now. And I felt that was kind of like, now I am whole. Do you have any, did you go through any, any similar things? I'm still going through it. And, and not only do I feel so much compassion for your experience, because it, it sounds exactly like mine, but I feel lifted by the knowledge that I'm on this path and that it does get better. I mean, yeah. even last week, I was experiencing some really deep loneliness. So I, I got really sick when I was in junior high. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. My doctor said that they would need to remove my colon and like so much shame. Like I couldn't talk to my friends about this because like body stuff. And I didn't really have, you know, a lot of support around me, um, certainly not emotional support around what was coming up for me to be in junior high, you know, as I'm like exploring, I should be exploring my body and my world. Like here I am kind of sick and missing a lot of school and not making friends and feeling really lonely. So fast forward to, you know, last week, what was coming up for healing was like this feeling that if I was alone, that that meant something about me, that there's some reason about me why I'm alone. Like, why would I be alone right now in this point in my life if there wasn't something wrong with me? Like I'm not attractive or I'm not, you know, smart or whatever, you know? And I just really sat with that for a while. And I talked to my therapist and I talked with my spiritual advisor and I came to some really important realizations. And I feel like I made a really good breakthrough in that disassociating that. Really, the loneliness is a symptom of the point that I am in my life. Having recently gotten divorced, you know, we've been separated for about a year and a half now. So it's, it's still pretty fresh. And like you, I jumped right into dating. I mean, that's been my pattern. Looking back, like, I would go right to the dating apps and it was just to uh, not feel so freaking lonely. Like, am yeah, I good yeah. enough? Okay, good. I'm good enough. I'll go date you. You know, like it, it was just like a constant. And that's how I ended up. That was how I got into my marriage was like, I had been broken off for maybe like a month. And then I went and fell madly in love with this woman. And like, it just was so quick. I never allowed myself the opportunity to sit with some of those lonely feelings yeah. And that's the healing right there is like being able to sit with that loneliness and say, this is fucking scary, but it's so helpful to get through that because as you start deepening into those feelings and releasing some of that inner, like not okayness with being alone, then you can start calling in better relationships into your life that are deeper and more meaningful and less traumatic. I think that all of this is super helpful. And I, like you, I jumped right back into it. You know, after my separation, I'm like, I want to go out, I'm going to start dating and I matched immediately. And, you know, uh, gosh, it was, it was really quick. It was embarrassing and quick. You know, I got into a relationship within weeks and, um, and it was a wonderful relationship. I'm, I'm no longer with her, but 
in hindsight, it was far too quick. And I didn't allow myself to sit with that loneliness. And I realized that in that relationship, and I realized that I was forming a similar unhealthy patterns and reliving a lot of that codependency. And I knew that I needed to, to do things differently. So at the end of that relationship, I said, as much as I really want to just find someone else right now, I'm going to take a break. And that's what wow. I've been doing is, is forced solitude, you know, and focusing on other healing areas of my life that I can focus on rather than really being so concerned about filling that void with someone else or, or needing someone else. I mean, talk about a, wow. a really beneficial thing for someone who is a recovering codependent to be willing to be by yourself and realize that you alone are responsible for your happiness and you alone are making your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think going through a divorce and afterwards, I think it's important to wait to date. Uh, that's what I very, very strongly believe that it, you need to take some time by yourself and you need to come to the point where you're okay to be alone. Because if you're lonely, you're going to attract other people that are lonely and you're going to have a disaster in the future. I usually say you attract what you project. So if you have a broken person, you're going to attract another broken person and you're going to go into another dysfunctional relationship. So heal yourself, make sure that you, you work on yourself. And then when you feel that you're okay to be alone, I think that's when you start coming to the point of being whole. I went without dating for two years. And then I met an amazing woman on the tennis courts. And uh, going through the period of when I didn't date, I started to venture out. And for example, I started playing tennis again. I started playing golf again. I started become more active in, in the Bible study in our church and to reach out organically to getting friends. And I also think that's very helpful and a very important part of this healing journey to have awesome friends. And I think it's more important initially to have awesome friends than having these dating relationships to know how you develop a friendship and having these friendships and then start dating. I think that's a better way to do it is my experience at least. Now you have a TikTok channel and that's actually how I got to know you. I started listening to a TikTok about a year ago. It was through my kids showing what TikTok was. And uh, I really enjoy it because it's very compact. It's like one minute uh, talk about a subject. And uh, your TikTok channel is abundantly clear, it's called. You talk a lot about transformation through the pain of divorce. I talk about that a lot, about how the pain in your life can actually be this refining for example, if you take pure metals like gold, when you take them out of the mountain, they're not pure. But then as you go through this process of purifying, you get the real gold. And I think the same thing in life, when you have these difficult paths, you have to make difficult decisions. You have to start going through this process of recovery. How have you changed after your divorce? Well... I have been learning and I'm still in the process of learning this, but like if you, for instance, with the TikTok channel, if you had gone back five years ago and said that I was 
not only like speaking about myself in a vulnerable way, but posting it for all to see on TikTok, I would have just not believed you at all. That's really new for me. Public expression, like I, I have traditionally been an extremely reserved person. My best interface was always with computers and oh, yeah. that was where I was most comfortable. I didn't go to parties. I didn't venture out. And, you know, like today I'm going to dances. I've never danced in my entire life, but I enjoy it now. And I'm expressing myself and I'm having these really beautiful interactions with people that are just so much more filled with vibrancy and love and like deep soul connection and things that I'd never experienced before that weren't really available to me prior to, like you said, you know, being forged in this painful experience of going through divorce. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, codependency and narcissism and uh, personality disorders. And uh, if you want to talk a little bit more about your experience in that, especially in, in the terms of how can it help somebody else that are going through something similar that you had to go through and how to react to that? Yeah. And, and I think this is a really important topic and it's actually really difficult to talk about in one minute segments. So I really appreciate the opportunity to maybe expand a little bit on yes. my belief, you know, and, and I've spent a lot of time studying this uh, about the dance between codependency and narcissism and it really started for me like in the middle of my marriage there were these moments where you know she'd say things that i'm like that's a little bit strange or i would feel certain things about our interactions where i'd be like huh that what does that mean why why would why would it be feeling like this and i remember like doing some google searches on what narcissism is and i wasn't certain and then i picked up this book by Judy Orloff that I'm blanking on the name, but she talks a lot about these dynamics and about empaths, you know, and, and at that time, that was the term that resonated with me that I'm an empath. I was a feel, I've always been a sensitive person, you know, I've always been a feeling person. I've always reacted. Even when I was little, my kindergarten teacher told me that I was too sensitive and it's just always been with me to just be aware of what's going on around me and how it affect me. So as the marriage started falling apart, you know, with the belief that I had that she was having an affair, the accusation, I started to really like dial into these videos on YouTube, especially um, about narcissism and codependency and how the two are drawn like magnets to one another and that this is what codependency is. And, and frankly, a lot of those videos, a lot of the, the original, the books that I got, they're, they're very fear-based, you know, they make yeah. the narcissist into this monster that wants to consume you like they're they literally use the term energy vampire is something that they say and like it's terrifying it's like i don't want to have a vampire eating my energy what does that even mean and and i got really caught up in that and like vilifying her you know and i didn't want to vilify her but like i would say this you know you should really look into this these are some of the things that i'm looking into like maybe we can work on this together and that was really triggering for her, understandably, because the term narcissism sounds so scary. Like it yeah. sounds so bad. And we have these comic examples of it in our lives, you know, like, but there's also this covert narcissism that, you know, these videos talk about and they paint it into this really scary thing. But as I've awakened to my own role and what codependency truly is and what my job is in terms of learning how to format and, and, and create better relationships. I've realized that 
narcissism and codependency, as much as we like to give them two separate labels, they're interrelated. They're very, yeah. very similar. They're based on very similar trauma stories from childhood. You know, either your parent, basically your parent never, never gave you the consistent love that all children need to grow their own self-love. That's, I believe, the root cause of both. And as children, we get to, um, we get to kind of choose or, or it's chosen for us which direction we go. You know, we can go more towards the, the narcissist side, you know, or the codependent side, but it doesn't necessarily make one, one or the other evil, right? It's just exactly. it's the way that the trauma kind of let us down. And in fact, it's tragic. Like it's tragic that yeah. people experience this in their youth. And then it's generationally carried, you know, that, that we will carry on the same patterns that were reflected in our parents um, down through the generations and we'll pass it on to our children. Like it, generational trauma, it's terrible. Like I feel so good that I've been able to awake to this so that I am not passing this on to my kids, that I can show them what it's like to live in a house of abundant love and teach them about loving themselves and expressing themselves and not competing with them and all that stuff that some of us experienced when we were young. And I just think it's such important work. And it's also really important to not vilify these labels or even attach so strongly to the labels to know that we're just explaining patterns of relating and you can take the parts that work and that make sense to you and throw out the rest. And just know that, you know, if you are in a relationship like this, and it's said that it's difficult for someone who's on the narcissistic side to even see that there's a problem. I do believe that there are ways, depending on how far people are on the spectrum, to work together to reformat the relationship. You know, we talked about boundaries earlier. That's one of those situations, like looking back, I was guns a blazing, you know, on setting boundaries and, and like, you know, feeling, you know, fairly confident that this is a good thing to do. And also looking back, you know, I probably could have done it in a better way. You know, I could have done it in a way that was a little bit more collaborative, that it didn't make her feel shut out. And so there are things that I could have done, certainly, that that might have resulted in a better outcome. But, you know, I just wasn't to be. So now my goal in my in my life is to work on myself and get out of some of these codependent patterns so that I can call in a more fulfilling relationship down the road whenever I'm ready for that. Yeah, codependency can definitely be a big hurdle in a relationship and to deal with that. Now, how do you describe uh, codependency? Just uh, for one minute, what is codependency for somebody that's listening? I think that it boils down to a lack of self-love. I think that's really what it is. And you know, if you if you see a codependent person in the street, or you you have a coworker, you might describe them as shy. You know, and that yeah. was how people would describe me: is shy, reserved. You know. You're not actually showing up in your relationships as your authentic self because you're filled with fear and a lack of self-love and you don't even know it. That's the thing about these conditions is that you just don't really know it until you're, you're shook awake. So a codependent person isn't really speaking up for their needs, yeah. not speaking up for what they want. They're just kind of going along and they're going along to be easygoing, but honestly, it's to avoid the fear of abandonment. Like it was for me. I just was so afraid of people not liking me. So I was always doing what I thought that I, I was so good at jumping into other people's heads that I was never in my own head. I was so good at figuring out 
everyone else around me and what they wanted. And I just lost sight of who I was. Yeah. Codependents usually don't set boundaries. And that's uh, part of the vicious spiral that just spirals out of control. When you don't set a boundary, then uh, the overstepping becomes more and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this becomes a vicious spiral. And then hard to get uh, out of. Yeah, it's very hard to get out of. Very important to learn about as well, to bring uh, bring information about it, because I think a lot of people are in this spiral. And starting to slowly learning about boundaries, I think is uh, one of the best things that any relationship, it doesn't have to be a, a romantic relationship, it can be friendships too. To have boundaries that brings respect into any any type of relationship. And I might say too, I remember when I first learned the term codependency, I'm like, I'm not dependent on anything, you know? And I, there's something about it that just sounds so weak. <laughs> and like, yeah. I don't want that label attached to me, but at the same time, the description of a label as I've explored it fits me so well. So I've taken it on. I don't like the label. I don't think it sounds good. I wish that there was a better label. For but it's good to know about it. And that way you can take steps in becoming who you are meant to be from the beginning. Now, uh, I'm going to switch side a little bit and uh, going through divorce, I learned a lot about myself and uh, I also got a lot of help by asking for help and uh, in your recovery, what tools or what would you recommend or or what was the most helpful for you to go through the divorce? Hmm, Great question. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of tools. I think top of my mind was uh, therapy. You know, yeah. I, I had no experience with therapy prior. And I thought therapy is only for when you're broken. And therefore I waited until things were really broken <laughs> for me to go. And, you know, here I focused in the beginning with my therapy on how bad she was. And I never really focused on me. You know, my therapist managed it so beautifully. I still go to her. She's um, such a wonderful teacher for me in recovering from codependency and and learning about myself. So I think therapy is a tool that I wish were more abundantly accepted in our society. You know, that it's just, it's like going to the gym for your brain. You know, you're yeah. learning how to be a better person. You're learning how to have a better life. And you can go about your life completely asleep, but you're not going to have your best life. And therapists can help wake you up. The right therapist, you know, and I, I was so fortunate to like hit the right one. I think I hit the bullseye because there are a lot of bad therapists. And I'd say, you know, not to throw anyone under the bus, but like the first couple therapists that my ex and I went to weren't good. You know, yeah. They didn't know how to control the room. They didn't describe the dynamic. I've been so in, with my past partnership, I went to therapy with her. And from the get go, the therapists that we met with were so much better. Because in the first couple of sessions, they're like, oh, this is what's going on. And these are the things you need to work on. And it was just like, cut to the chase, you know, and, and looking back at the therapists we went to for the most part in the unraveling of my marriage, she just kind of sat there and listened and didn't really, didn't really offer a whole lot. In fact, there were moments where I would be expressing that I felt really, you know, triggered about something or or felt abused. I didn't have a lot of the emotional terms at that point. And she sometimes would even like defend and validate that it was okay. Like sometimes I remember her saying like, well, sometimes I say mean things to my husband too. Like looking back, I'm like, that's not how therapy works. You're supposed to validate, you know, what's going on in the room and, and uh-huh. hear everyone. I, I just think that we could have been better served with a different therapist. And so don't be afraid to try out different types of therapy, different therapists. There are a lot of really bad therapists and a lot of really good ones. So 
don't be afraid to switch around and find one that works for, for both if you're looking for a marriage therapist. Yeah, fortunate enough to actually it was the, the court and the, the lawyers that recommended uh, us to get a counselor. And we got a counselor uh, fairly early on. And it was primarily first for the kids, but then also I, I chose to start going with the same therapist. And she was very instrumental the first few years in helping me. Then I also got a coach and a mentor through this. A counselor said, because I was going through so much loneliness and depression, she said, reach out to a few people, a few friends that you trust and start sharing about what you're going through. And I think that's also very important in the healing process to have people around you that supports you, that can speak into your life. And probably more so for men than women. Women tend to have a little easier time talking about feelings and you guys out there, get the help. Uh, don't sit by yourself at home being depressed and lonely and having suicidal thoughts. It's important to get out there and and uh, get help. You can't do this by yourself. It's impossible, I, I say. You really need to reach out. I think you can't emphasize that point more. For guys, I know for me, I have been very fortunate to have a couple of good friends that have been with me for a long time. And I definitely have relied on them in this time. But divorce will impact your relationships. You know, yeah. A lot of relationships will fall away. And also transformation will too. If you take this opportunity to grow yourself, you'll find that certain connections that you used to think were supportive don't feel as supportive anymore. And you'll start letting go of those relationships. And I found myself where I was basically perfecting this bubble of loneliness uh, in my life. And, um, and it was really tough, but I agree with you. I think sometimes though, it can be really tough to find authentic relationships in this space, you know, yeah. and, and you know, men's groups are certainly very helpful uh, or women's, you know, finding people that are in a similar space, going through a similar portal with you um, is a good opportunity, but also don't be afraid to hire your friends, you know, like therapy is wonderful. Coaching is wonderful. You know, go out and seek people that are, are familiar with this process and that can hold your hand in the hard times. And you know, I've been so fortunate that during the really difficult moments, I've had a wonderful spiritual advisor that I can call on. I have a therapist that I can call on that's available on off hours if I need it. And like you said, you know, don't wallow in these really dark feelings. You know, during, during the course of the divorce, I definitely experienced a lot of suicidal thoughts. And I knew on some fundamental level, I wasn't going to take action. It's still really scary to contemplate that, you know, to feel so worthless and so stuck that you would start thinking about that. So I would highly encourage people to have people they can reach out to, to talk through some of this dif difficult stuff. Yeah, for me, it was definitely to reach out and the friends I reached out, it was actually two friends that also gone through divorce prior that I could really feel that they could relate to me. And they're the ones that are my closest friends right now. It's, uh, we play golf, uh, we, we hang out, we talk on the phone on a regular basis. and. To have that, uh, those type of friends that you can talk and share anything with, it's nothing better. I just want to share a little bit about the podcast and what I do. I, I am a coach. I coach men that are going through divorce or have gone through divorce and gotten stuck. And I help people going through this process. We also have a, a group, a Facebook group, Rocking Life After Divorce. 
and uh, we share our stories. We help each other grow. I also have a, a weekly get together for men via Zoom to really help connect with people because communication is one thing, but to really connect is something different. And to be able to be vulnerable and be able to be open with other people is something that you need to train yourself. It's not something you're born with. And especially among men that are trained into this male society where you're supposed to be tough and not share feelings, I think it's a very good practice to have a place where you can actually be safe and where you can start learning about these things. So that's what I do on a regular basis. And uh, a little bit more about uh, going through the, the divorce and the post-divorce. I learned a lot about myself. I shared a little bit earlier about how I became vulnerable, I could start sharing who I really was. So what are the biggest benefits for you and your experience post-divorce? There are so many. I mean, most recently, as I've been meeting new people, forming new relationships, I've noticed that my relationships just get a lot deeper. You know, we go deeper and it feels so much better. In fact, I don't think I could settle for surface level relationships anymore. It just doesn't work for me. They're just so much more rewarding when you can go deep with someone and just really feel human together. So that's one benefit. I mean, my connection with my kids, I feel so much more love from them and vice versa. It's just such a beautiful relationship. They're three and five, you know, they're just learning about their world and to express really authentic love to them and to receive it from them in a new way has felt so wonderful. And also just healthier relationships. You know, I certainly have struggled with the relationship with my ex, but in my relationship with my mother has improved tremendously. Like I, it's been difficult too. Like I've been managing that relationship as well as the other relationships in my life. And she's come along for the ride and has learned so much about herself. And we've been learning how to, you know, set boundaries with one another and to have a much healthier relationship. It's been so rewarding to witness that mutual growth. So there are so many benefits to this. And I'd also say too, like, During this time, I've awakened to my own spirituality. It's helped me notice areas in my life where I was just kind of going along, you know, that I was just letting things come at me and I wasn't really being, I guess you could say like assertive in my own life, you know, and and going out and getting what I want. And through this process of awakening and getting clearer about who I am and what I want and the rightness of asking the universe for the things that I want and the willingness to wait for that has resulted in, in tremendous abundance in my life over this time. And I just feel so fortunate. I'm looking out over this tremendous view that, you know, I wouldn't have expected to find a home, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago I did that checks all my boxes and I, it took, the courage to sit with really strong demands and to know that I wasn't willing to settle. And frankly, I I was ready to move into uh, a do van life with my kids because I wasn't finding anything on the market. Market's been crazy. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to find anything I want. So I'm not going to buy anything. I'll just do van life with the kids. You know, I have them half the time. We'll make do. They're three and five, you know, it's crazy. And then the very next day, my dream home came on the market. And I grabbed it and just feel so thankful for that. And I don't think that type of thing would have ever happened to me prior to this awakening. There are a lot of benefits. 
to doing this work and to going through this and getting out the other side. One uh, quote that I a lot of times think about is that life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. A lot of times, if you think that way, it can be very helpful. Like this divorce, I felt it happened to me, but it's actually turned out to happen for me because I feel like I have learned so much to go through this. And I'm, I'm in such a great place right now after going through this difficult time. And uh, like you said, you have to wait for it. Uh, sometimes I call it patience. And to be patient in this process is very crucial, I think. It's going to take time. It's not going to go overnight. You can't fix yourself like that. It's a process. It took maybe 10 years to create this uh, dysfunction or 20 years. It's going to take maybe a year or two to go through this process. Now, we're going to round off the podcast. And I always ask a question for the interviewer. And that's if you have somebody listening right now that is going through divorce right now and is in a very dark place, similar as you were initially in a divorce, what would just a few first steps to do or what would your advice be for this person? I think the first step that a lot of people, and I certainly went through this, is knowing that it's okay to feel angry. You're going to feel these feelings. And as a codependent, this feeling of anger may feel really foreign to you. It certainly was to me. I didn't really know how to be angry. But you're going to move through that stage. But just to accept it, accept everything along the way. You know, there's going to be steps along the way that are going to happen to you that we all go through. And there's no one that can say, like, fast forward through these things. You know, you just kind of have to feel these feelings in order to grow to the next stage and to let them go along the way. You know, you don't have to hold on to the anger. If you're kind of already in that space, know that that's a stage that will pass and you're going to get to a different stage. And so to just kind of let go and let these waves kind of wash over you and experience them and know that. They're here for a reason. They're here for your healing. And that through this process, you will be healed. And you just need to trust in the universal timing that it's going to come along when you're ready, that the healing and that growth will come. It just is going to take longer than you expect. And you just have to be patient. Yeah. I usually say I, I felt like I was in a rowboat in the middle of the ocean in the fog and not seeing the horizon, not seeing any progress. And it was so difficult to accept that it was taking time. I wanted it to, to speed up. And uh, I know I took steps, but I didn't feel like I was making any progress. And this was going on for like a year, year and a half. And then now when I look back five, six years later, I see all the progress I, I did make. But it's so difficult when you're in the middle of it. Just know that you are, you know, as you take steps, it's making progress, but you might not feel like it. And that's why it's so important to have people around you that can see your progress and can uh, tell you how well you're doing, even though you're not feeling like it. And having a counselor, a coach, or a mentor and for example I'm, I'm a coach and to be somebody's cheerleader and see somebody making the progress taking the steps being accountable to somebody to take the steps because i know the steps will in the end make this progress even though you might not feel like it so 
This, this has been such an awesome interview. I really appreciate that you wanted to share your story. Uh, it's so awesome to have people that are willing to share stories just for other people, to help other people. And that's also part of the healing journey. When you start helping other people, you help yourself. And uh, so giving back to other people is definitely also part of the, the healing journey. So thank you, Brian, for this time. It's been a pleasure to be on, on this place. And uh, all listeners, go and listen to Brian's uh, uh, TikTok if you have TikTok or get TikTok. And where do they find you on TikTok? Uh, so I'm under Abundantly Clear, um, and I talk a lot about these topics. And there are so many wonderful uh, TikTokers out there talking about divorce and how to get through it. So I'm not the only great advice on there. And I hope that you go explore TikTok. It's a wonderful free resource. And uh, good luck on your healing journey. Everybody. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you.